0: It is great to see everybody here today. How many are having a good day? Good. How many of you are sitting next to a really nice person? Hey, that was really good. That's good. You're salvaging those relationships. That's good. Well, listen, Pastor Lisa started this uh, message last week, Finding Your Circle. I'm going to wrap it up today. And we're talking about uh, some really basics about the bridge. If you've been a part of the bridge Uh, You'll know that we touch on some of our values, and one of those is the connection group, small group ministry, and why it is so important, because here's the thing. Our goal here is to disciple, to raise up disciples and followers of Christ, and one of the main ways that happens is in these groups. So we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke today. Would everybody stand for the reading of the Word? We're going to look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then verses 17 through 20. Let's begin. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, Holy Spirit, as we look at your word today, I pray that we would see, learn, grow, and develop. Our faith and our walk in Jesus. I thank you for the opportunities, God, that are afforded us that your Word provides, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen, Amen." Amen. The Lord bless you, you and be seated. I have used the clicker and it is not moving, so that is bad for me. I don't know if something came under. There we go. Uh, am I? I just need. Am I in control of this or are you? I am in control. I like that. How many men like to be in control? <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, hey, so we're looking at this premise of, of, of the Scripture, and what I want to show is this. As we look at this, we see that Jesus, I think everybody knows, Jesus was a great leader, and if we could somehow remove, if we could just for a minute pause and remove the spirituality assigned to him as being the Son of God, we see that Jesus was a phenomenal leader, the best leader in the world. Because here his business is still going 2,000 years later. He's in over 190 some countries in all thousands upon thousands of languages, right? He has billions of followers. Uh, he his bestseller has been number one for centuries. Okay, and when you so that's why I say if you look at it, you see that Jesus was a phenomenal leader. Now I am not saying let's remove his spirituality. I'm just saying for the sake of just looking at who he is. And but here's the other part of what you see about Jesus is this: he had a particular method that he utilized to be able to do what he does. And we read this actually in Luke chapter 10. We see one of the methods that Jesus utilized, and we see him appointing leaders, and he's appointing these circles, so to speak. We know that his circle consisted of the 12 disciples. And so we're going to be looking at this from a, a, a biblical perspective. But I have some thoughts that I wanted to share with you related to the message, and it's this. Everybody read this with me. Why are groups important? Let's read this. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Brilliant people learn from the mistakes of others. And everybody said, amen. 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 I, like it. I like when I learn something and it wasn't at my expense. Okay, I'm not rejoicing that somebody else made the mistake, but a lot of times I've said, thank you for illustrating what I don't need to do. Come on, you know what it's talking about. You're driving down the highway, you're over the speed limit, and the guy that just passed you a half mile back is pulled over getting a speeding ticket. How many are grateful for that guy right there? <laughs> I'm going to learn from his lesson, his failure to pay attention to the speed limit. I'm going to learn from that. That means they're in the vicinity, I'm slowing down. Right, so we all learn from other people's mistakes. It's a, it's a lot easy, Life is a lot easier when you're observant. But that also says that you're in network with other people to know what's going on. Here's another one. Let's read this out loud. The blessings you seek are not behind you, they're in front of you. A lot of people are snagged by a past because they think there's a blessing back there that they can still get. Can I tell you, it's behind you, you can't get it. They think if I could just solve the injustice, if I could solve this, if I could do that, if I could copy. And I'm just saying, look, the, ble- the blessing, what happened is in the past. The blessing you need is in front of you. You need to pursue that. You need to go after that. Yes, we learn from the past. We learn from the errors. We learn from the mistakes. We learn from the injustices. We learn from those things. That tells us how to address what's in front of us. But if we are going to spend our lives turning around, chasing things in the past, did you know that none of us will go forward? So at some point, you just have to say, the blessing that I'm seeking now is in front of me. What is behind me is behind me. Let's move on. Let's read the last one. Everybody out loud. Salvation doesn't solve poor people's skills. Only discipleship solves it. Can I get an amen? Yeah, there's some people who are not followers of Christ, and they have horrible people skills. And then they accept Jesus, and guess what? They still have horrible people skills. Salvation alone does not solve all problems that exist in our life. And so, when you accept Christ and you got poor people skills, you need to get into the process of being discipled. And you learn people skills by being around people with people skills. It has more to do with being caught than taught. I didn't say it wasn't taught, but it has a lot to do with how it is caught, observing, learning listening to people, getting feedback, watching them handle tough situations, and you take note of that, and you may not say it to it, but inside you go, yeah, I need to learn how to do that. I, I, how many have ever said, yeah, that's not how I would have responded. Thank God I didn't respond. Yeah, you see something and you watch somebody handle it masterfully, and you go, oh, man, I wish I had that ability. Can I tell you, probably if you hang around them, you'll figure it out. It's discipleship. So I just say those kinds of things to kind of set the stage for us. There's a lot of things that happen through inner, through human interaction. Some people are asking God to do those certain types of things in their life, and what they don't realize is, is that God uses people. And so for, in other words, for God to meet a need in my life, I'm going to have to be connected. I'm going to have to be around people. So let me, just, let me, just, let me put it this way. One of the errors that we have made in the USA is we think we can market people into the kingdom of God. No, you can market the gospel to them so they see what it is. But in the end, Christianity is a relational faith, not a marketing scheme. So we can use those mediums, right, to get the gospel in front of them. But in the end, somebody has to, I call it, press the flesh, be there to talk, to to know them and to help them who knows their, their purpose, their life, things about them. Sooner or later, you need a human contact person who can help develop you in your faith. It requires humanity, God working through that humanity, And so sometimes people adopt spiritual principles that really aren't spiritual principles. They sound good. How about this one? My faith is is private. It's my business. Sounds good, right? Explain judgment day. Doesn't sound very private, does it? The books are opened and everybody is judged according to the deeds that were done in the body. And you know, you just want to go, hey, 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 uh, Jesus... Faith's a private matter. Could you dismiss everybody? No. It's not private. It's for everyone. In fact, Jesus said, you're the salt and light of the world. He said, let your light shine so that, may, so that they may see your deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That doesn't sound like it's supposed to be very private, does it? If I'm supposed to do things that people see and they would go, wow, God. See, we adopt some mentalities that sound good, but let me tell you this, they're not biblical principles, they're American principles. Well, I won't even say principles, preferences. We have preferences as Americans, and it doesn't work that way. They're biblical principles that says, hey, we're, the Bible says that we're even to be accountable to one another. I'll wait for the amens to die down, okay. So I'm gonna give you some things about this passage that we saw, because we see Jesus employing a strategy. Okay, a strategy, and it's interesting what the strategy does for those folks. So number one, everybody read this out loud with me. There are opportunities that we can only get from a relational circle. Notice this. After this, the Lord, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Now, what I want you to note is this. He knew who they were, and they knew who he was. These are not the 12, this is another 72. So this tells you the magnitude the followings that Jesus had. So he knew who these people were. So if you add the 12 to the 72, you're up to 84. But we know that it had to be more than that because if it was only 84 and he had the 12, how many know you're not choosing 72? You just go, hey, the rest of you. So we know that number even exceeded that. And plus... We also know in the gospel it says there were a group of women who were responsible for taking care of the daily needs of Jesus and the disciples. So we have that as well. Now, let me just pause a minute. When I say Jesus is this masterful leader, okay? If you just want to set aside the spirituality and say, let's just judge him by his leadership qualities. Do you realize how phenomenal he was? And he's the only leader who could say what I'm about to say. He's the only one who can make this statement. I don't need nobody. I mean, after all, when you're perfect, right, and everybody around you is imperfect, how many know you can look at the 12 and go, yeah, you're not ready. Or, you know, guys, uh, maybe this just isn't for you. Um, it's a commitment level here that's, that's not, you, you guys just don't seem, comm- if there's anybody who could say, I don't need anyone. Jesus could say that statement. And yet he didn't do that. He chose 12 and now he's chosen 72. Why would he do that? Because he understood the principle of leadership. Leadership is not about control. It's about serving. Please tell me you caught that. It's not about, hey, I'm in charge so much as it is, let me help you become something that you would otherwise never be able to come, become on your own. So that allows imperfection in the team. Because he's saying, I'm just trying to help you get somewhere you could never get by yourself. Let me help you. and so But here's the reciprocal of that. Did you know if you weren't there, you couldn't be chosen? A lot of people go, man, I'd love to be used for God. I'd love to be used by God. I'd love to do that. You can't even make it to church most of the time. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. Come on, think about it. People want to be used without having the obligation to be there. They want to be tapped with no commitment. They want to be utilized with no responsibility for the day in and day out. They just, always oh, appointing, let's get there. No, they were, they were present, and by being a part of Jesus' circle, he knew them. That made it possible for Jesus to choose them. Does everybody understand that? They were selected because he knew them. They said yes because they knew him. There was some kind of relationship. Jesus wasn't walking down Main Street going, "Uh, you and you and you and you. People wouldn't have responded to that. There was some kind of forged relationship. Opportunity rides on relationship. Everybody probably has had this happen. We call them divine appointments where God somehow got your schedule to overlap with somebody else's schedule, and there you are for a brief moment in time, and you cross paths, you network, and then somehow it just perpetuates after that. And the key is, while you cultivated, the initial contact was all God just made your paths cross. There's something to be said, can you be there? Can you be present so that God can have divine appointments and help them to occur and show you how it can happen? Opportunities are sitting in groups. And here's the thing a lot of opportunity is missed, and you never knew there was an opportunity for you. You missed it. There's this adage that we say out there you don't know that you don't know. That's probably the most deadliest form of ignorance there is. You didn't even know that you didn't know. So you don't even know what you missed. And if anybody tells you, you just don't get it because you don't know. Have you ever any of you tried to explain somebody something to somebody who just didn't know? I didn't say look at them. I said, has anybody <laughs> ever tried to explain something to somebody who didn't know? I mean, gosh, you know you know. <laughs> All right, anyway, here we go. Number two, read it out loud. There are things we don't do until we're in a relational circle. And it says he sent them two by two ahead of him to go into every town and place where he was about to go. Most people don't realize Jesus' strategy. When he was showing up, the gospel had already been presented. The people had already been familiarized with who Jesus was because these guys had gone and kind of, I, I'll say, uh, I'll say it this way. So what they heard was this. So Jesus, you want us to go and find out if they have any rocks to throw. Because the gospel was not a popular topic back then, and you know how the Jews like to disagree with you? They throw a rock at you. And so basically they were going, and so, so they went out two by two. Now, why did they go? Number one, they would have never done this if they hadn't been a part of the group. They would have never done this if Jesus hadn't asked them, and they never would have gone, but yet yeah, he sent them two by two, and that provided the safety net that they wanted. There are things that you will never do until you're part of a group. There are things you won't go to. There are things that you won't participate in. We had a team get back from uh, uh, Senegal a while back, and they're getting ready to go again, another group. And if you've ever been to Senegal, it's not a place where you go for vacation. There's no really tourism there, you know what I'm saying? So if somebody said, hey, you want to go to Senegal, you go, yeah, probably not. I mean, I'm not sure where we would stay, what we would do. It's not exactly, you know, the place you go to. Oh, no. Uh, how many would just have on their own said, you know, I got a great idea. I think I'm going to go build a church in the middle of the desert. But yet, a group of people got together and they challenged one another, and a group of people went over for 10 days to build churches in the middle of the desert. And they had so much fun, they're going to go do it again. No, nobody would do that because, you know, I ain't got nothing to do. But they got in a group, and then they learned about the need. And then they started talking about the giftings that they had. And then finally, somebody in the group issues a challenge. We put up the announcement. People respond. See what I'm saying? There are some things you will never do until you get into a group and somebody calls you out. And it's the right kind of calling you out. There, there are things that we can't do well. I can remember as a kid, we lived across the street from the baseball field. There was only one problem. I didn't have a lot of people to play baseball with. So here's how I learned to play baseball. You throw up the ball and you hit it. And now i become the outfield, so I had to run to the outfield and retrieve the ball that I just hit. I soon learned we could, we could get a lot more time in if I took the bat with me. You know, early on it was hit the ball, drop the bat, Run to first, run to second, and just keep going to the outfield, grab the ball, come all the way back in, pick up the bat. And after a while, I thought, why am I not just taking the bat so I can hit it from out there back in? I could get twice as much hitting in before I, before I wear out. And you know, and so I practice baseball, and then all of a sudden, I finally had some friends who wanted to play baseball, and so they understood our house was there, so parents felt comfortable, so they would come, we'd play baseball. And did you know, I never struck out throwing up the ball like this? But one of those boys, man, he had a fastball. And you know, I hadn't seen a fastball my whole life. (laughs) Suddenly, I can't hit a ball because nobody's ever been pitching to me. But after a while, I learned how to do it. I learned how to do something because I got a circle. And the other part was I had never caught a fly ball in my life because I was always hitting it. And by the time I got to the ball, it was just laying in the grass. I never even picked up a grounder. Now I'm here to tell you the best way to learn to pick up a grounder and catch a fly ball is let it hit you (laughs) two or three times and then you make a mental resolve, this is not happening anymore. I don't care what I gotta do, but that ball's not gonna sting me the way it's been stinging. And so you learn and then you start watching your friends, how they're doing it, oh yeah, yeah. And here's how I started catching fly balls. (laughs) I figure if I can't catch it there, why would I put it there, right, you know? So, some of you are just now learning. You're brilliant if you learn from other people's mistakes. Okay. There's things that you won't do, that you can't do until you get around other people. You don't know what you're capable of, you don't know what skills you can acquire and what you cannot acquire. That's why you get into circles. That's why you get into groups of people because they have a way of helping, and helping you develop. Sometimes they do things that you can't, but there's enough similarity. You look at them and you go, you know, I think I could do that too. If they can, I know I can. And they're looking at you saying the same thing. Well, man, if they can do that, I think I can. That's how, that's how it works. We, we play off of each other in a positive way. It's the, it, some things can be taught, but a lot of life is caught just being there. All right, number three, read it out loud. There is an impact we can't make until we're a part of a relational circle. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. There is an impact that I can't make as an individual. But when I'm a part of a group, I can make a powerful impact. We know that there were 72, he sent them out two by two. We know for a fact that that would have uh, meant they touched at least 36 villages. It's very unlikely that they would have done one village and come back, so they probably did more than, they probably would have done along the lines at least two and possibly three. And so when you start doing the math here, you start recognizing that they probably touched anywhere from 72 to 108 villages and towns. No one person in that group could have done that. But as a part of a bigger group and corralling and coordinating their efforts, that group was able to stand up and say, we, went to 72, we went to 108 villages and preached the gospel this past week. There is an impact that you can't make as an individual, but when you're part of a greater circle, suddenly your impact is way bigger and it makes a greater difference. Listen, just look around the room here today. There's an impact that we make together as a group of people that we don't have as an individual. We all can make an impact as an individual, but I'm here to tell you, the size of this group, we can't do this by ourselves, but we all contribute to the big impact. There's so much more that we do when we coordinate our efforts together as followers of Christ. And I can tell you that that's why the Bible speaks so firmly. And, you know, all's good here at the bridge, so don't, don't, don't start reading stuff in what I'm about to say here, okay? This is why the Bible speaks so sternly against dissension. Because it waters down impact. Because it's an impact that those people can only get when they're together. And so dissension waters it down and so big impact is lost that's why it's critical for us to realize hey i I need to be networked with people intentionally and i need to know why i'm there i need to know why they're there so that we can grow and develop together number four read this out loud there are things we can't learn until we're a part of a relational circle I said this a little earlier. There are some things that are taught, but there's some things that are just caught. You know, there's some things you, you lay it out in three points, you study a scripture, and, but there's other things that you just say, why don't you come with me and let me show you how to do it? Let me, you know, you can study, you can learn, and there's a part of that, but there's, there's no substance. I can remember as, as, when I was a teenager, my grandfather was a mechanic and a carpenter, and he was really top-notch in both arenas. And I was starting to take, the the, high school, I was starting to take this thing called power mechanics. And so you started off working on small engines, and then the second year, you had to totally rebuild a a V8 engine. And so I'm, I'm, you know, but they have these books that would, you know, you had to go through, and then they would let you touch the engine. Somehow you would take what you saw on the pages and go into the shop area and actually do it. And I was having a little bit of struggle with that. And so my grandfather, being a mechanic, he would just say, when I was, was with him, he'd just say, hey, let's just go to the garage and let me show you how it's done. Now the problem I got, by the way, my grandfather got me in trouble. He showed me techniques on how to get some things done in a much more efficient way because mechanics are on the clock. And they weren't school approved. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Well, this is what my grandfather was. Your grandfather's not the teacher of this class. I am. Okay. So I had to go back to the book and see how they wanted it done. But the point being was, he, showed, he never did open a manual on me. He never did open a book. He put a wrench in my hand and he pointed. Do this. Now do that. Now do this. Now take this. Now brace it. That's how you do it. Okay. And I'm thinking, why couldn't they have showed that way at school? It's so much easier. Okay. There are some things that are taught. There are some things that are just caught. They just show you how to do it. And I don't ever want to underestimate the power of the preaching of the gospel. But one of the things that is so effective in these groups is they can sometimes say, hey, let's get together outside of the circle And I'll help you that's priceless to have somebody in a group say hey why don't we go get some coffee we'll talk this out the whole group doesn't need to be a part of it let's just work through it or hey I'll swing by I I know what to do I can or how many have ever done this somebody referred you to somebody that solved the problem you've been trying for a year I said, man, I've been working on this, trying to get a fix. And they said, you need to call such and such. And I do, and they fix it. And I went, well, that was easy. Why didn't I think of that a year ago? Because I didn't know them. But somebody else, that networking with people is so crucial. So notice in this story here, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're having a, man, they're just like excited, like, It works. And notice what Jesus said. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, get this. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What Jesus was saying, would you please not get caught up in the displays of the power of the gospel and the fact that darkness was defeated, I want you to celebrate the fact that there are names that were written in the book of life. Please take note of the transformation in people. Don't celebrate darkness falling. Celebrate people being elevated. That's what this is all about. And so Jesus corrects them. So what we learn here is, is we, don't, we don't always know everything we need to know. Sometimes we need to correct it. So I want you to turn to the person on your right, left, whatever, and you can tell them this. Pastor told me to tell you, you don't know everything. <laughs> Come on, tell them. Pastor told me to tell you. All right. All right, you don't have to keep saying it over and over and over, you know? You don't, have to keep it, you don't have to keep saying it. Now, some of you had way too much joy in doing that. You act like this has been a moment I've been waiting for. It. And I got my pastor as a spiritual covering on this one. Yeah, but it's true. We don't, we don't know everything, So we need, listen, life is a ongoing learning journey. We are are constantly being perfected. We work on it today. We will work on it tomorrow. Because by striving to be perfected, we get to be excellent. I'm not going to say I'm going to be perfect. This is not heaven on earth yet. But in striving to be perfected, it allows me to become excellent. But I can tell you this, you change your goal in not trying to be perfected, and you will watch excellence slip from your grip. There are things that we cannot learn. There are things that people cannot learn until we're there and we're present. Number five, let's read it out loud. There's a joy we can't experience until we're part of a relational circle. Because of, of the passage and our lens in which we read it, we miss the word joy. It doesn't, the word joy does not show up too often in the New Testament. And here, it shows up twice in the same story. So it's really, it's always unique when it shows up, but the fact that there's two times, It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, that even the demons submit to us in your... There's a joy when you go try something because somebody in the group has challenged you or provided an opportunity for you because they saw something in you and they challenged you and you... There's something about you going and doing it and you come back and go, that was awesome. That 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 was really... There's something... In us that when we step into a new horizon that we've never been and we deliver oh feels so good somebody says try this do it this way and it works and it, it's 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 just a jolt of joy of i can finally do that something i've always wanted to do these guys have watched jesus For months and months and months, and they just assume he has it because he's the Son of God. And they're just kind of the followers, and they're so in their mind, they think they're just the support network. And now Jesus takes a step back and says, How about you go? And how about you preach? And how about you watch what happens? And it worked. But the other part is this so. There's something to be said about having people challenge us, and we're successful, and it's joyful. But notice in verse 21. So Jesus corrects them. We jump down to 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy. There's an interesting phrase. The only time we read that Jesus ever was full of joy. I'm sure he was joyful, but it's the only recorded full of joy. So this is not Jesus just joyful. Jesus is showing, like, he's... He's grinning. He's like giddy, happy. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. And I'm going to ask you to watch me as I read this. And revealed them to your little children. He's pointing to those disciples. Yes, Father, listen, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus said, you didn't give it to the wise and the learned. These guys who thought, there's no way that kind of thing will be handed off to us. And I handed it off. Had to make some corrections about what to be excited about. But the point is, they did it. And Jesus says, man, full of joy. I'm going to speak to connection group leaders right now. You don't know joy until you do something, say something, teach something, and somebody catches you from your group later on and says, did you know that because of you, I just, and they fill in the blank, I did it. I was able to. I didn't think I could. It's when you said, it's when you this, it's when you... And you, you were like, well, I was just, I mean, I was, if there's anything I've learned is this. How many have ever le- lived a holy moment and you didn't know it was a holy moment? And then you get told later on, that was powerful, that was a real holy moment. And you go, what moment, what moment, where did I miss it? And they go, you, when you said this and you did that, and you was like, yeah, I was just talking. Well, it was a holy moment for me. And I was like, whoa, if I would have known that, I would have. <laughs> you see, sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow in fashions that we don't even know were flowing in the Holy Spirit. You were just talking. You thought you were just being you. You were just doing what you knew to do. And suddenly, you said something and it was a word of wisdom for somebody. Now, it's easy if somebody starts off with, thus saith the Lord. Now, how many know? Okay, holy moment, on the way. But, you know, you're just like, hey, I, I was looking at the word and I, I thought that. And people have gotten words of wisdom just by being there. And, they didn't, and you didn't know that you were flowing in the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge or the gift of discernment. You, they, or had a, you didn't even know it was a prophetic word. But they heard it. And they come back to you. Because of you. My marriage was saved. Because of you. I broke my addiction. I had given up, but you told me to keep going and not try, I've been clean six months, I've been clean a year because of you. And you have people who accept Christ that, that passed away, and you go to their funeral, and their family members or their friends are gathered there and you walk in as a connection group leader and you introduce yourself, hey, I just know this, this guy, this woman, they were in my group, at your, you're the person. How many of you know that always freaks you out when they start that way? Because you're like, oh, God, what's about to come here? And they go, you're the person. What do you mean? I remember when they got saved and they said, you're the one who's responsible. They told me about your group. And we saw the change. We wanted to know where all this change in their life was coming from. And they told us that they were in this group. So you're the leader. Yeah. Thank you. They're in heaven because of you. I'm telling you, as a connection group leader, hear me. And if you aren't a group leader and you talk to Pastor Lisa, I'm warning you. It's addictive. You get one story like that and you're like, "I do you have a lifetime membership? <sighs> I'm in. There's a joy that you get out of that. People can't take it from you. The discouragement can come from time to time, but you ride that wave of you just found out you had an impact in somebody's eternity and you recount all the times that you almost quit and you didn't. And now you're like, I'll never quit. There's no way I can underestimate God's activity in the people that are in my group. You have somebody's life get changed, it's addictive. People ask me this. Can I be transparent with you? Okay, I won't. Nobody wants to hear it. Okay, it's all good. We'll move on. All right, next point. Here we go. How many want me to be transparent? Yeah. All right, okay. Some people. And my wife, she's here, so you know, she'll verify this. They say, "Man, I bet Sunday wears you out." I bet sometimes when we've been done three services, you're exhausted." And she'll verify this. I say, "Are you kidding? It's my reward for all week." And the people who tell me that that was the Sunday that they finally decided to accept Jesus, or that was the Sunday that their friend showed up and turned their life around. That was the Sunday that their husband showed up. That was the Sunday their wife showed up. That was the Sunday that somebody at work showed up and they accepted Christ. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, call me at two o'clock and I'm dead on the couch. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm warning you, it's addictive. But it's the best addiction I've ever had in my life. When you can make a difference in somebody's life, you'll keep coming back. It's a joy that made Jesus giddy. Says full of joy. Amen? All right, one more. Here we go. Maybe. Everybody, read it out loud. There is a blessing that comes only from being a part of a relational circle. Notice what Jesus said. Then he turned to his disciples. So now we have 72, right? So now he's turning to his disciples, the 12. So this is after the 72 have reported. He's corrected. We have what he told his father. I'm full of joy. Then he turns to the twelve. And he said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Watching these 72 come into their element. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus is saying, do you just see the kingdom of God just grew leaps and bounds over here? And Jesus said, that's what it's all about right there. Guys, it's not just you 12. It's the fact that the kingdom is now open for everybody. Everybody. It doesn't work just for me because I'm the son of God. It doesn't work for you just because you're one of the 12. It works for all those who are in the kingdom of God. There is a blessing that is waiting on you. So many times in life, have you ever noticed, sometimes you uh, needed a blessing and you didn't even know it, but when you got it, you went, wow, that was awesome. You didn't even know you needed it. And then you got it and you're like, man, this is great. Hallelujah, yeah. God knows blessings that you need, that you don't even know. And he says, I've put them in relational circles. There's a blessing, man, when you watch people grow and develop in the Lord. Let me, let me let me wrap it up this way. You matter, and you can make a difference if you'll put in the effort. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. We'll wrap up the service. Can we take about 30 seconds? Come on, would you praise him for being a God who wants to flow his activity through your life? Come on, 30 seconds, everybody. Give him praise. Thank him. Lift your hands. Praise him for being a God who wants to include you in his activity to other people.